Chapter Twelve of Imperium in Imperio by Sutton Griggs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve on the Dissecting Board. About this time, the legislature of Louisiana passed a law designed to prevent white people from teaching in schools conducted in the interest of negroes a college for negroes had been located at cadeville for many years presided over by a white minister from the north under the operations of the law mentioned he was forced to resign his position the colored people were therefore under the necessity of casting about for a successor they wrote to the president of stowe university requesting him to recommend a man competent to take charge of the college the president decided that belton was an ideal man for the place and recommended him to the proper authorities belton was duly elected he again bade home adieu and boarded the train for cadeville louisiana belton's journey was devoid of special interest until he arrived within the borders of the state at that time the law providing separate coaches for colored and white people had not been enacted by any of the southern states but in some of them the whites had an unwritten but inexorable law to the effect that no negro should be allowed to ride in a first-class coach louisiana was one of these states but belton did not know this so being in a first-class coach when he entered louisiana he did not get up and go into a second-class coach the train was speeding along and belton was quietly reading a newspaper now and then he would look out of a window at the pine-tree forest near the track the bed of the railway had been elevated some two or three feet above the ground and to get the dirt necessary to elevate it a sort of trench had been dug and ran along beside the track the rain had been falling very copiously for the two or three days previous and the ditch was full of muddy water belton's eyes would now and then fall on this water as they sped along in the meanwhile the train began to get full passengers getting on at each station at length the coach was nearly filled a white lady entered and not at once seeing a vacant seat paused a few seconds to look about for one she soon espied an unoccupied seat she proceeded to it but her slight difficulty had been noted by the white passengers belton happened to glance around and saw a group of white men in an eager animated conversation and looking in his direction now and then as they talked he paid no especial attention to this however and kept on reading before he was aware of what was going on he was surrounded by a group of angry men he stood up in surprise to discover its meaning get out of this coach we don't allow niggers in first-class coaches get out at once said their spokesman show me your authority to order me out sir said belton firmly we are 
our own authority as you will soon find out if you don't get out of here i propose said belton to stay right in this coach as long he did not finish the sentence for rough fingers were clutching his throat the whole group was upon him in an instant and he was soon overpowered they dragged him into the aisle and some at his head and others at his feet lifted him and bore him to the door the train was speeding along at a rapid rate belton grew somewhat quiet in his struggling thinking to renew it in the second-class coach whither he supposed they were carrying him but when they got to the platform instead of carrying him across they tossed him off the train into that muddy ditch at which belton had been looking his body and feet fell into the water while his head buried itself in the soft clay bed the train was speeding on and belton eventually succeeded in extricating himself from his bed of mud and water covered from head to foot with red clay the president-elect of cadeville college walked down to the next station two miles away there he found his satchel left by the conductor of the train he remained at this station until the afternoon when another train passed this time he entered the second-class coach and rode unmolested to monroe louisiana there he was to have changed cars for cadeville the morning train the one from which he was thrown made connection with the cadeville train but the afternoon train did not so he was under the necessity of remaining overnight in the city of monroe a place of some twenty thousand inhabitants being hungry he went forth in quest of a meal he entered a restaurant and asked the white man whom he saw behind the counter for a meal the white man stepped into a small adjoining room to fill the order and belton sat down on a high stool at the eating counter the white man soon returned with some articles of food in a paper bag seeing belton sitting down he cried out get up from there you nigger it would cost me a hundred dollars for you to be seen sitting there belton looked up in astonishment do you mean to say that i must stand up here and eat he asked no i don't mean any such thing you must go out of here to eat then replied belton i shall politely leave your food on your hands if i cannot be allowed to eat in here i guess you won't the man replied i've cut this ham off for you and you have got to take it belton remembering his experience earlier in the day began to move toward the door to leave the man seized a whistle and in an instant two or three policemen came running followed by a crowd belton stood still to await developments the clerk said to the policeman this high-toned nigger bought a meal of me and because i would not let him sit down and eat like white people he refused to pay me the officers turned to belton and said pay that man what you owe him belton replied i owe him nothing he refuses to accommodate me and i therefore owe him nothing come along with me sir consider yourself under arrest wondering what kind of a country he had entered belton followed the officer and incredible as it may seem was locked up in jail for the night the next morning he was arraigned before the mayor whom the officer had evidently posted before the opening of court belton was fined five dollars for vagrancy and was ordered to leave town within five hours he paid his fine 
and boarded the train for cadeville as the train pulled in for cadeville a group of white men were seen standing on the platform one of them was a thin scrawny-looking man with a long beard very very white his body was slightly stooping forward and whenever he looked at you he had the appearance of bending as if to see you better when belton stepped on to the platform this man who was the village doctor looked at him keenly belton was a fine specimen of physical manhood his limbs were well formed well proportioned and seemed as strong as oak his manly appearance always excited interest wherever he was seen the doctor's eyes followed him cadaverously he went up to the postmaster a short man with a large head the postmaster was president of the band of nigger rulers of that section the doctor said to the postmaster i'll be durned if that ain't the finest looking darkie i ever put my eye on if i could get his body to dissect i'd give one of the finest kegs of whisky in my cellar the postmaster looked at belton and said zakeland for such was the doctor's name you are right he is a fine-looking chap and he looks a little tony if we nigger rulers are ever called in to attend to him we will not burn him nor shoot him to pieces we will kill him kinder decent and let you have him to dissect i shall not fail to call for that whisky to treat the boys so saying they parted belton did not hear this murderous conversation respecting himself he was joyfully received by the colored people of cadeville to whom he related his experiences they looked at him as though he was a superior being bearing a charmed life having escaped being killed it did not come to their minds to be surprised at the treatment accorded him for what he had done their wonder was as to how he got off so easily belton took charge of the school and began the faithful performance of his duties he decided to add an industrial department to his school and travelled over the state and secured the funds for the work he sent to new orleans for a colored architect and contractor who drew the plans and accepted the contract for erecting the building they decided to have colored men erect the building and gathered a force for that purpose the white brick masons of monroe heard of this they organized a mob came to cadeville and ordered the men to quit work they took charge of the work themselves letting the colored brick masons act as hod carriers for them they employed a white man to supervise the work the colored people knew that it meant death to resist and they paid the men as though nothing unusual had happened belton had learned to observe and wait these outrages sank like molten lead into his heart but he bore them all the time for the presidential election was drawing near and he arose in the chapel one morning to lecture to the young men on their duty to vote one of the village girls told her father of belton's speech the old man was shaving his face and had just shaved off one side of his beard when his daughter told him he did not stop to pull the towel from around his neck nor to put down his razor he rushed over to the house where belton boarded and burst into his room belton threw up his hands in alarm at seeing this man come razor in hand towel around his neck and beard half off and half on the man sat down to catch his breath he began mr piedmont i learn that you are advising our young men to vote i'm sure you don't know in what danger you stand i've come to give you the political history of this section of louisiana the colored people of this region far outnumber the white people and years ago had absolute control of everything the whites of course 
did not tamely submit but armed themselves to overthrow us we armed ourselves and every night patrolled this road all night long looking for the whites to come and attack us my oldest brother is a very cowardly and sycophantic man the white people made a spy and traitor out of him when the people found out that there was treachery in our ranks it demoralized them and our organization went to pieces we had not the authority nor disposition to kill a traitor and consequently we had no effective remedy against a betrayal when the news of our demoralized condition reached the whites it gave them fresh courage and they have dominated us ever since they carry on the elections we stay in our fields all day long on election day and scarcely know what is going on not long since a white man came through here and distributed republican ballots the white people captured him and cut his body into four pieces and threw it in the oachita river since then you can't get any man to venture here to distribute ballots just before the last presidential campaign two brothers samuel and john bowser colored happened to go down to new orleans things are not so bad down there as they are up here in northern louisiana these two brothers each secured a republican party ballot and on election day somewhat boastfully cast them into the ballot box there is as you have perhaps heard a society here known as nigger rulers the postmaster of this place is president of the society and the teacher of the white public school is the captain of the army thereof they sent word to the bowser brothers that they would soon be there to whip them the brothers prepared to meet them they cut a hole in the front side of the house through which they could poke a gun night came on and true to their word the nigger rulers came samuel bowser fired when they were near the house and one man fell dead all of the rest fled to the cover of the neighboring woods soon they cautiously returned and bore away their dead comrade they made no further attack that night the brothers hid out in the woods hearing of this and fearing that the men would make their escape the whites gathered in force and hemmed in the entire settlement on all sides for three days the men hid in the woods unable to escape because of the guard kept by the whites the third night a great rain came up and the whites sought the shelter of their homes the brothers thus had a chance to escape john escaped into arkansas but samuel poor fool went only forty miles remaining in louisiana the mob forced one of our number who escorted him on horseback to inform them of the road that samuel took in this way they traced and found him they tied him on a horse and brought him back here with them they kept him in the woods three days torturing him on the third day we heard the loud report of a gun which we supposed ended his life none of us know where he lies buried you can judge from this why we neglect voting this speech wound up belton's political career in cadeville he thanked the man for the information assuring him that it would be of great value to him in knowing how to shape his course after belton had been at cadeville a few years he had a number of young men and women to graduate from the various departments of his school he invited the pastor of a leading white church of monroe to deliver an oration on the day of commencement exercises the preacher came and was most favorably impressed with belton's work as exhibited in the students then graduating he esteemed belton as a man of great intellectual power and invited him to call at his church and house if he ever came to monroe belton was naturally greatly elated over this invitation from a southerner and felt highly complimented one sabbath morning shortly thereafter belton happened to be in monroe and thinking of the preacher's kind invitation went to his church to attend the morning service 
he entered and took a seat near the middle of the church during the opening exercises a young white lady who sat by his side experienced some trouble in finding the hymn belton had remembered the number given out and kindly took the book to find it in an instant the whole church was in an uproar a crowd of men gathered around belton and led him out of doors a few leaders went off to one side and held a short consultation they decided that as it was sunday they would not lynch him they returned to the body of men yet holding belton and ordered him released this evidently did not please the majority but he was allowed to go that afternoon belton called at the residence of the minister in order to offer an explanation the minister opened the door and seeing who it was slammed it in his face belton turned away with many misgivings as to what was yet to come dr zackland always spent his sundays at monroe and was a witness of the entire scene in which belton had figured so prominently he hastened out of church and as soon as he saw belton turned loose hurried to the station and boarded the train for cadeville leaving his hymn-book and bible on his seat in the church his face seemed lighted up with joy i've got him at last careful as he has been i've got him he kept repeating over and over to himself he left the train at cadeville and ran to the postmaster's house president of the nigger rulers and he was out of breath when he arrived there he sat down fanned himself with his hat and when sufficiently recovered said where well, we will have to fix that nigger piedmont he is getting too high what's that he has been doing now i've looked upon him as being an uncommonly good nigger i've kept a good eye on him but haven't even had to hint at him said the postmaster well he has shown his true nature at last he had the gall to enter a white church in monroe this morning and actually took his seat downstairs with the white folks he did not even look at the gallery where he belonged is that so burst out the postmaster incredulously i should say he did and that's not all a white girl who sat by him and could not read very well failed to find the hymn at once that nigger actually had the impudence to take her book and find the place for her the infernal scoundrel by golly he shall hang broke in the postmaster dr zacklin continued naturally the congregation was infuriated and soon hustled the impudent scoundrel out if services had not been going on and if it had not been sunday there is no telling what would have happened as it was they turned him loose i came here to tell you as he is our nigger living here at cadeville and the nigger rulers of cadeville will be disrespected if they let such presumptuous niggers go about to disturb religious services you are right about that and we must soon put him out of the way to-night will be his last night on earth replied the postmaster do you remember our bargain that we made about that nigger when he came about here asked dr zacklin no answered the postmaster well i do i've been all along itching for a chance to carry it out you were to give me the nigger's body for dissecting purposes in return for which i was to give you a keg of my best whisky said dr zacklin ha 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 laughed the postmaster i do remember it now well i'll certainly stick up to my part of the program if you will stick to yours you can bet on me returned dr zacklin i have a suggestion to make about the taking off of the nigger don't have any burning or riddling with bullets just hang him and fire one shot in the back of his head and one him whole in the interest of society that whisky will be the finest that you will ever have and i want a good bargain for it i'll follow your instructions to the letter answered the postmaster i'll just tell the boys that he being a kind of decent nigger we will give him a decent hanging meantime doctor i must get out to-day is sunday and we must do our work to-morrow night i must get a meeting of the boys to-night so saying the two arose left the house and parted 
one going to gather up his gang and the other to search up and examine his dissecting appliances monday night about nine o'clock a mob came and took belton out into the neighbouring woods he was given five minutes to pray at the expiration of which time he was to be hanged belton seemed to have foreseen the coming of the mob but felt somehow that god was at work to deliver him therefore he made no resistance having unshaken faith in god the rope was adjusted around his neck and thrown over the limb of a tree and belton was swinging up the postmaster then slipped forward and fired his pistol at the base of his skull and the blood came oozing forth he then ordered the men to retire as he did not care for them to remain to shoot holes in the body as was their custom as soon as they retired three men sent by dr zachlin stole out of hiding and cut belton's body down belton was not then dead for he had only been hanging for seven minutes and the bullet had not entered the skull but had simply ploughed its way under the skin he was however unconscious and to all appearances dead the three men bore him to dr zachlin's residence and entered a rear door they laid him on a dissecting table in the rear room the room in which the doctor performed all surgical operations dr zachlin came to the table and looked down on belton with a happy smile to have such a robust well-formed handsome nigger to dissect and examine he regarded as one of the greatest boons of his medical career the three men started to retire wait said dr zachlin let us see if he is dead belton had now returned to consciousness but kept his eyes closed thinking it best to feign death dr zachlin cut off the hair in the neighbourhood of the wound in the rear of belton's head and began cutting the skin trying to trace the bullet belton did not wince the nigger is dead or else he would show some sign of life but i will try pricking his palm this was done but while the pain was exceedingly excruciating belton showed no sign of feeling you may go now said the doctor to his three attendants he is certainly dead the men left dr zachman pulled out his watch and said it is now ten o'clock those doctors from monroe will be here by twelve i can have everything exactly ready by that time a bright ray of hope passed into belton's bosom he had two hours more of life two hours more in which to plan and escape dr zachman was busy stirring about over the room he took a long sharp knife and gazed at his keen edge he placed this on the dissecting table near belton's feet he then passed out of doors to get a pail of water and left the door ajar he went to his cabinet to get out more surgical instruments and his back was now turned to belton and he was absorbed in what he was doing belton's eyes had followed every movement but in order to escape attention his eyelids were only slightly open he now raised himself up seized the knife that was near his feet and at a bound was at the doctor's side the doctor turned around and was in dread alarm at the sight of the dead man returned to life at that instant he was too terrified to act or scream and before he could recover his self-possession belton plunged the knife through his throat seizing the dying man he laid him on the dissecting board and covered him over with a sheet he went to the writing desk and quickly scrawled the following note doctors i have stepped out for a short while don't touch the nigger until i come Zachlin. he pinned this note to that portion of the sheet where it would attract attention at once if one should begin to uncover the corpse he did this to delay discovery and thus get a good start on those who might pursue him having done this he crept cautiously out of the room leaped the back fence and made his way to his boarding-place here he changed his clothes and disappeared in the woods he made his way to baton rouge and sought a conference with the governor the governor ordered him under arrest and told him that the best and only thing he could do 
was to send them back to cadeville under military escort to be tried for murder this was accordingly done the community was aroused over the death of dr zackland at the hands of a negro the sending of the military further incensed them at the trial which followed all evidence respecting the mob was excluded as irrelevant robbery was the motive assigned for the deed the whole family with which belton lived were arraigned as accomplices because his bloody clothes were found in his room in their house during the trial the jury were allowed to walk about and mingle freely with the people and be thus influenced by the bitter public sentiment against belton men who were in the mob that attempted belton's murder were on the jury in fact the postmaster was the foreman without leaving their seats the jury returned a verdict of guilty in each case and all were sentenced to be hanged the prisoners were taken to the new orleans jail for safekeeping while incarcerated here awaiting the day of execution a newspaper reporter of a liberal new orleans paper called on the prisoners he was impressed with belton's personality and promised to publish any statement that belton would write belton then gave a thorough detailed account of every happening the story was telegraphed broadcast and aroused sympathetic interest everywhere bernard read an account of it and hastened to his friend's side in new orleans in response to a telegram from bernard a certain influential democratic senator came to new orleans influence was brought to bear and though all precedent was violated the case was maneuvered to the supreme court of the united states before this tribunal bernard made the speech of his life and added to his fame as an orator competent judges said that the like of it had not been heard since the days of daniel webster as he pleaded for his friend and the others accused the judges of the supreme court wept scalding tears bernard told of belton's noble life his unassuming race his pure christianity the decision of the lower court was reversed a change of venue granted a new trial held and an acquittal secured thus ended the tragic experience that burned all the remaining dross out of belton's nature and prepared him for the even more terrible ordeal to follow in after years End of chapter twelve